After some much-needed time off, I am back, and it is season two of Out of His League. In today's episode, I am going to dive into the very honest and vulnerable reasons why I decided to take so much time off from this podcast, and I do want to forewarn anyone listening that if you are struggling with mental health or depression, this episode will be touching on some pretty serious topics related to depression and mental health. I share my story in an effort to reach others and be someone that you can relate to and hopefully gain some understanding about how maybe you're feeling from, but I'm no expert whatsoever. I'm just a girl who is trying to get there each day and figure out what she wants to do with her life. So we're going to get into all of that in today's episode, the very first episode of season two of Out of His League. This is Out of His League with Mackenzie Dittman. So just to set the scene, I'm pretty much, you know, in my element right now as I record this episode. I've got a Starbucks coffee, Grande Pike two pumps, a brown sugar syrup, half and half, two stevias, a little bit of cinnamon on top. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. And even though people give Starbucks a lot of grief, which I understand why, you know, major corporation, fight the man, all that jazz. I get it. I love to support local coffee shops when I can. But personally, I feel like local coffee shops can be so inconsistent. Sometimes it's so good and you order just the right thing. But I also feel like the way that they brew their coffee is so different depending on which shop it is. And the process in which they do it can vary so significantly that I could order the same drink from every coffee shop on my block in New York City if I were in New York there's so many coffee shops there five different places and it's all going to taste the same the same order Starbucks it's consistent okay and sometimes we just want some consistency in our lives and personally I'm someone who struggles to find any amount of consistency in their life it's something that I have sought out and I've tried to find and I think it's just because I want it so badly for myself like I want to be able to be consistent I want to be able to be consistent with my work with this podcast I want to be able to wake up every day and go to the gym and make that smoothie for breakfast and just attack every single day with the same amount of energy and the same amount of hope but I don't know. I, I Maybe I'm just not that type of person. As much as I want to be, maybe I'm just not. And that is so much of what I have been trying to figure out about myself lately. 
I was officially diagnosed with ADHD a couple of years ago, but it was actually when I was interviewing for Love Island. You have to go through a series of psych tests and there's like so many questions and there's so many different types of tests you have to take. That's why it's so funny when like you see these characters on reality TV and you're like, they just let anyone on here. They really don't. (laughs) There's a lot of testing that goes into it. And, you know, I'm like checking all my answers when I'm taking these tests to make sure I don't accidentally click the wrong bubble because most of them are multiple choice. It's like, can you imagine if it's like some question trying to figure out if you have like killer tendencies and you accidentally press the wrong button? I was like, no, I can't press any of the wrong buttons. So I was trying to take it very, very seriously. And afterwards, you know, maybe like a week or so or maybe two weeks. I don't know how soon it was after, but you go over your test with a with one of the psychologists with the show and I had had to disclose that I had ADHD and the the therapist was like so I see that that you marked that you have ADHD and honestly like your your results from these tests really support that and I was like what what is that what does that mean how do you tell that I have um, you know, attention issues from these exams. Like, I don't even remember questions that were about that. She's like, your impulsivity is just like off the charts. And I was like, what? Like that, that's a symptom of ADHD. And the really fascinating thing about an ADHD diagnosis is that so many people feel like It's just someone trying to get an Adderall prescription when they say they have ADHD. And there's also not to be confused. There's ADHD, which is attention deficit hyperactive disorder. And then there's ADD, which is attention deficit disorder. So the hyperactivity is kind of what ties into the impulsivity that I was talking about. But we all know like there's such a stigma around it in our culture. I mean, mental health in general, but... I feel like people throw out depression and anxiety all the time now and I think it's good that they are because I think more people struggle with it than they were previously willing to admit but I do think you know disorders like ADHD and ADD people have so little understanding of it and I myself was very guilty of that I didn't really understand it you know I wasn't seeing a counselor for it I was just taking my prescribed medication and I was trying to avoid becoming too dependent on it because there's definitely people who abuse the medication um as I'm sure you all know you've probably tried to have someone sell it to you or buy it from someone and I mean those are not the ones who should be taking it (laughs) I can say that and um it's a very serious drug but basically that was a really interesting moment for me of having that psychologist tell me that because I had never really looked for additional answers beyond my diagnosis. You know, I just kind of accepted that this means you have a harder time focusing and, but I'm learning so much more about all of the ways that ADHD affects my life on a day-to-day basis. And Yes, taking medication, going to counseling can help and it will make your way of life a lot easier, but um, they actually call it being neurodivergent is I guess the proper term now for 
when people's brains just basically work a little bit differently. And I think so much of the past year and a half for me has been accepting that maybe I just think a little bit differently and that's okay. You know, I don't, I don't need to be like everyone else. I, I went to university, like I went to school, I got a degree, I graduated with honors. I even had a minor. Um, for those of you who don't know, because this is a question I do get a lot is what did you major in? I majored in mass communication and media studies, and I minored in justice studies. And I got my degree from Arizona State University from the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism. And yeah, I mean, Cronkite is an incredible journalism program. It's one of the most sought after in the country. I originally, when I went to ASU, thought I was going to be a business major, but realized that was a lot of math, which is not one of my strong suits. Definitely a very, very creative thinker. I like to think outside the box. I love to invent new things. And so something, you know, business, it's, it's a lot of math classes. And I was just not catching on. So I looked into other things. And I was really lucky that ASU had a program like this because it's not a traditional media or communications degree because it's not like I wrote a ton of essays. I basically studied media throughout history. So I studied the way that we communicated and the way that we used media as a tool and as a part of our culture. So I examined the way that race relates to media, religion, sex, all these different things. Um, I took some PR specific courses as well, some more marketing focused So I got a really cool education in communication and media that probably not a lot of people have had similar, you know, paths to that. I think that most other communications degrees are a little bit different. Like a lot of communications majors I knew were just always writing essays and that was not the case for me. So that was great. Um, but it definitely didn't leave me with a ton of overly practical skills. And I made the mistake of not doing an internship. Um, side note, I also, this is, this is my ADHD, like really. And this is, this is what it's like being an ADHD person. I'm so sorry. I hope you guys are following this. I promise there is a meaning to all of this and why I'm explaining everything. Um, But basically, you're supposed to do an internship so that way you can get a job after you graduate. I did not realize, I don't think that was properly communicated to me when I was a freshman in college. So I went to ASU on almost an entirely full-ride academic scholarship. They only award them to a small number of local kids in Arizona for their grades. So I could have graduated early, actually, from high school. I was um, I was pretty far ahead. So, yeah, I was able to get that that scholarship. So I was like, okay, I'll go to ASU. I had thought that I had wanted to go and play lacrosse in college because I played all growing up for seven years. So I thought I was going to pursue lacrosse in college, go D2. It was definitely not good enough to go D1 or tall enough. <laughs> um, but realized, you know what, I don't think I can compete on that collegiate level when it comes to lacrosse. So I decided 
not going to do lacrosse. I'm going to just go to a regular school. And then I was lucky enough to get the scholarship. So I was like, you know what? That's where I'm going to go. But I am definitely the type of person, if my heart is not in something, I struggle to follow through with it. So my heart was not in ASU long term. I left after a semester. I was dating someone at the time, actually, who went to U of A. Was unaware of how toxic that relationship was. You know, we like to throw the word toxic out there a lot about relationships, but this was probably one of the most toxic and negative relationships I've ever been in, if not the worst. And it put me in a very dark space where I really lost myself and my sense of self and what I wanted for my future. So when he said, you know what, if you stay at ASU, we're not going to stay together. I was like, you know what, I won't stay at ASU then. I was so naive. I was 18. I was in love. I thought I was in love. So I left ASU. I took a semester off and I was going to transfer to U of A to be with him. And then I went through Russia U of A. We had broke. Well, side note, we had broken up at this point. Horrible, horrible breakup. Really nasty breakup. Um, It was just... Yeah, it. Oh God, we were such kids when I think about it. It's such kids. Um, but I, I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna let this get me down. I, I made a decision. And I'm gonna try to stick to it. So, I was like, I'm gonna go to U of A anyway, even though he's here. It's a big enough school. So I go through Rush. It was a terrible experience. Rush was. I didn't. Um, I didn't even get a call back from the sorority that I had a legacy with. Actually, a double legacy. My aunt was the president of her chapter when she was in school my mom was also a high-ranking member in her that same sorority when she was in school and my cousin was in it and I still couldn't get in so anyway um I think that it was just a mistake to ever go there and I think that I was trying to prove something to myself by going through with it and trying to stick it out but it just really was never going to be for me. So didn't go to school that semester either. So if you're following this, went my first semester of my freshman year to college, took my second semester off, took the first semester of my sophomore year off as well. My family moved to Denver. I moved with them. They said, why don't you go to UC Boulder? Why don't you go to UC Denver? Colorado, not a state for me. Colorado people, great people very down-to-earth people, super cool, just wasn't for me at all. So I actually ended up transferring to Boise State. Um, Reasons for that, Boise State is one of the top transfer schools in the country. I do agree with that. I think it was a great for a transfer student. If you are listening to this and you are looking to transfer or you are dissatisfied with the school that you're at, I strongly, strongly encourage you to look into schools that are very supportive of transfer students and have high ratings in that sense, because that does matter a lot. Um, I would also take into consideration your reasons for leaving a school and what you're hoping to get out of your next school. So I had taken a whole year off at this point. I'm a year older, not that much wiser, but a little bit wiser at least. And I go to Boise State, was a huge, huge learning experience. 
as much as I loved the people that I met in Boise and the ways in which I was able to expand my horizons, I will say, <laughs> I just realized there it just wasn't the place for me. I think it's okay to admit that. I don't think that that makes you a failure. I don't think that that means that there's anything wrong with you just because a place doesn't work. I think some people think so much in terms of you can make it work anywhere. And yeah, you can to a certain extent. But I think when it comes to these really important years in your life where you're young and you're developing who you are as a person, I think that your surroundings and your environment very, very much matter. And that was just a decision that I made. So right as I was turning 21, I convinced my parents begged and pleaded I said look it'll be different this time in Arizona please let me move back like I want your support I can do it on my own but I want your support so I moved back to Arizona got my own place by myself and I ended up adopting my dog I rescued her and yeah I mean I started this whole new life in Arizona basically and I was always hoping to go back to school but I was trying to figure out residency requirements and ultimately I ended up getting a job in Old Town, um, Old Town Scottsdale, which I've referenced a lot the first season, and I'm sure I'll reference a lot this season. But yes, I got a job in Old Town. I was making really good money. I wasn't back in school yet, but I was hoping to get back in school. And then I decided, you know what, I'm not going to worry about residency because I'm going to do it online. Another really good thing about ASU is that they offer online programs that you can get the same degree that someone in person would get from taking them online, which for someone like me who struggles a lot with classroom anxiety and situational anxiety, taking those two years off to really think about what I wanted from my college experience, I realized that, you know, the sororities don't matter, the roommates don't matter, the parties don't matter. What matters at the end of the day is your education and what you take out of it. And yeah, I, I have no regrets about the way that everything turned out with college and the way that that all worked itself out for me. After about six years, I finally graduated and that was actually during the pandemic, right before I went on the show. And I'm going to be getting into more of that after this short break. Okay, so picking up where we left off, that was one part of my journey when I returned to Arizona was getting back to school and eventually after a little over two years, I think it was, maybe closer to three, I finally got my degree. But also during that time, I was working in bottle service in Scottsdale. Well, I started as a bartender at Bottle Blonde and... Then I went to a different place to bartend really briefly, and then when Casa Amigos opened, I was given an opportunity by my boss, Drew, and 
he kind of took a chance on me and because normally you don't get promoted to bottle service from a bartender without more training or more work experience so I was really grateful for that opportunity and I still am to this day because one of the things that bottle service taught me was how to well, it taught me a lot of things but taught me how to network I made so many connections through that job because a lot of it is about establishing those relationships and those connections with people when they come to visit and maintaining those um, throughout your tenure at that club and even beyond even beyond that club sorry choking there does that ever happen to you guys anyway um <laughs> So networking, how to adapt in any situation, be able to talk to anybody because you had people in Scottsdale, you know, it's becoming more and more like Vegas and we get people from all over. So how to be able to communicate with just about anybody and that customer service aspect is definitely there. There's a little, there's definitely sales. I don't think I was very good at the sales part. Um, but lastly, it also just teaches you how to like be really good under pressure. So I definitely learned a lot of life skills and practical work skills that I maybe wouldn't have had the opportunity to experience or learn in a different job. So I can say that. But one of the things that the the negative side of it was all of the stigma and stereotypes attached to being a bottle service girl because we did have to wear lingerie. Granted, like we got to wear really thick tights, you know, like you could wear the Hooters tights, which are almost like pants. Like they are really thick and we'd wear like high socks and everything, but we were in lingerie. It was about a lot of it was about maintaining an appearance. We were actually hired as models. Like you're hired as a model. You're not hired in the same way as another employee. Um, and they do that because a lot of the job is that you have to maintain the appearance in which you're hired as um, or if they tell you that you need to do something then you need to do it so I definitely sort of became branded as this bottle service girl and I kind of fed into it you know with my Instagram I definitely was playing up my sexuality a lot you know I had gotten my boobs done when I was 18 for the first time and I had never really been looked at that way before. I was very cute growing up, but I was never hot. You know, there were much like hotter girls or like sexier girls, but I was kind of awkward and I still am awkward. But <laughs> um, yeah, I definitely with like the growth of Instagram and stuff around that time, I was really playing up my sexuality a lot. And I feel like it was almost just like easier to hide in that to hide in that identity of being this bottle service girl that is, you know, tons of sex appeal and blonde hair, big boobs. It was easier to lean into that because then people, I wasn't really getting rejected. If I were to be rejected, like I wasn't getting rejected for me, I was kind of like playing a role and I don't know that I was like consciously doing that. I think I thought I wanted to be like that. I think I wanted to fit in. I wanted to be well liked. I, as a society, we try to act like 
appearances aren't everything and that they don't matter and gosh like I hope that's true to a certain extent but let's be real like in some situations like to some people it matters and that's shitty sorry for cursing but it's shitty but it's just it's just the case and you do get a really warped sense of reality when you're in that old town industry for so long um and I love Scottsdale as a place I'm you know I'm even considering moving back but being in the nightlife industry is a whole nother thing it's a very different world and until you've lived it it's really hard to understand what it's like you know you're living especially as a bottle service girl like you're living this extremely extravagant lifestyle like I went on jets and I was I will be very clear on this like I never ever exchanged anything sexual for any of this stuff I know that people think sugar babies and whatnot I was not a sugar baby I never accepted gifts or anything like that I was usually the plus one of someone else taking me on these trips like my girlfriend got invited and then they'd bring me along but yeah I lived this really lush lifestyle um while I was finishing up school and um when I had just turned 21 for up until I was about 23 and a half very very different very different life it seems like eons ago um which is why I think I have had such an identity crisis as of late because from everything I've told you guys so far like I've clearly just like lived a lot of different lives you know like growing up I was always moving because my dad's job and we moved every two to three years so I was having to make new friends and I wasn't trying to like always rebuild and always start over. I was trying to maintain some sense of self throughout all those moves, but I definitely feel like I got really lost in all the moves. When you're a little kid and you're moving to new states and new parts of the country, like it's not the same everywhere. It's very different depending on where you live. The trends are different. The language is different. Even, even within the U S like it's different, different slang, um, different ways of talking, um, different interests, depending on where you live. And so that was how I grew up. And then I continued that with all of my back and forth stuff when it came to college. And then I, so I was kind of ripe for the industry. Like I was a girl who had spent a lot of her life trying to figure out what she wanted to be and how to be well-liked and how to fit in. And so when the industry came along and offered me so much, you know, um, such good money, so many opportunities, it, it made me lose myself even more. And then I finally kind of had this wake up call somewhat at the end of 2019. Um, I was going through a really depressed time. Was I depressed? I don't know, but I was definitely in a depressive state the end of 2019 and I knew I needed to make a change so I had decided like my lease was going to be up in February 2020 I'm gonna leave the industry and I'm gonna move home for a bit while I finish up school I had one semester left and I'm just gonna you know move to LA when I'm done with school and live with my sister and because she was at law school at UCLA and that was my plan so Left the industry was, I felt very much 
I felt like I lost a huge part of me when I left. It was a really confusing time after that. Um, I think at first when you get some free time back, you're feeling relieved and like, oh, okay, like kind of relaxed. But then you start to realize like, oh man, like (laughs) that was like such a huge part of my life and now it's gone. Um, But then the pandemic hit. And so I was a girl without a job, without my own place. And then the whole world has changed. And in some ways, sure, like that kind of, it was like perfect timing um, that I just moved home because I got to be with my family during that time and quarantine with them. But I think it put me in this state of limbo because a lot of people knew what they were going back to or like hoping to go back to after quarantine was over, you know? And I, I hope that most people got to return to some semblance of a normal life. Um, I know that a lot of my friends did, but I don't know. I don't think that was the case for everybody, but I had nothing to go back to, you know? Um, my whole life was kind of unwritten at that point and it was not laid out in front of me so that's why when the show came around and offered me the opportunity I I was excited at the opportunity to meet someone and hopefully connect with somebody I hadn't really been around anyone my age in a long time because of lockdown and quarantine Um, and also I just was at a crossroads in my life where I took my final class while I was quarantined for the show and finished my final class. So I was graduated and I had started interviewing for jobs during that time. But that's when I realized that me not having that interview experience, um, internship experience, I mean, was really hurting me because I couldn't get hired anywhere without any internship experience. It's like, who cares that you have tons of real life experience from your job working in Scottsdale nightlife? You have all of these skills that we'd want in an employee, but you don't have an internship that so we can't hire you. So, yeah, I mean, the show came at a perfect time for sure. And I went on the show, had that experience on the show. Um, Don't want to get too, too much into that, but... I haven't watched the show fully back, so I have my version of what happened, of what I understand to have happened at least, and I think coming off and talking without cameras with Connor, um, more things became clearer to me about the show and how things have played out. Um, I gained some clarity, but I do think my experience of what happened is different from what viewers saw and I'm so grateful for my for my supporters um for people that I consider friends now who have been following my journey um through social media and I've been able to connect with I'm so so grateful for all of all of you really truly truly mean that um but I won't lie like still to this day when I meet new people who have watched the show their comment is, you know, I really expected you to be a bitch, but you're not. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, God, that sucks. You know, like that really sucks that people have that opinion of me and think based on a show that they saw on TV that was heavily edited 
And I'm not going to say that I didn't do the things that I did, but I think when context is manipulated and situations are manipulated and things are edited, it's really things can take on a new meaning. And a lot of it is just interpretation. I think some people saw me as a bitch. Some people saw me as a, you know, a feminist icon or just someone they'd want to be their friend. You know, people saw different things, but I do feel like so much of my identity, though, became tied to the show and tied to my relationship with Connor. So much of what defined me as a person at that moment in time was tied to the show. And at first that was okay because being with Connor and being with him 24-7 and us dating, it was something that we bonded over and that was the way that we connected was through the show. So it was okay. But I think when I realized that we were not the right people for each other and that we were not going to work out and then I had to, you know, made the decision that I think we should end our relationship. After that, I realized just how much of my identity was tied into the show and tied into that relationship. Because remember, I I told you, like, I left everything behind before, like, just before the pandemic. I moved away from my home and my job and I went to live at home. And so when I came off the show, like, it wasn't even that I didn't want to spend time with people from my past. Like, they just weren't presently in my life anymore. Like, a few people were from before, but a lot of them, like, we had just grown apart because of the pandemic. So I was really alone. Like, I, at least I felt that way a lot of times. Um, I didn't really have a life to go back to. Um, so then when Connor and I broke up, it was just you know, where do I go from here? And I'm, and I'm trying to build my brand. And I always knew that I wanted to start out of his league. And I'm gonna do a whole episode explaining more of the inspiration for out of his league, but always knew I wanted to start my own brand. But there's there was so much pressure from whether I created it for myself, or whether it like was imagined or real there was so much pressure to come off the show and be this influencer and be this content creator of you got to have a YouTube, you got to have a TikTok, you got to have an Instagram, you got to be on it all the time. You got to be doing all these things. And contrary to what many people think, if social media did not exist tomorrow, I would be totally fine and happy. I used to deactivate my Instagram for months at a time. Like I there's just something about it like I've never I don't have that showmanship in me and I think so much of it is um you either have to have that confidence of you know what people want to see what I'm doing and I need to share it or you're just kind of a performer and I don't mean that in a negative way I just mean like maybe maybe even like you grew up doing arts but like you knew you knew you wanted to perform I'm just not that person I'm not that person And I felt like I was like constantly letting people down because I wasn't that person. I felt like I was letting the fans down. I felt like I was even to a certain degree letting my castmates down because that was something that, you know, they were doing and they liked doing. And I just had such a hard time with it. And I still do. And even, you know, being a year and a half out of the show at this point, pretty much, 
so I, I realized that so much of my following and so much of what I built has been because of the show and I owe so much to the show, but knowing that so many people identify you as that person from that TV show where it wasn't even an accurate like showing of who you are is really hard sometimes. It's like, how do I get away from that? How do I reestablish myself? How do I, how do I know who I want to be? You know, when everyone's expecting you to be one way, how, how do you be a different way? And it, it seems pretty easy, but it's really not. And I think that as more and more time passed over 2021, it was a really great time. There was a lot of really awesome experiences. You know, I competed in Miss Arizona USA didn't quite go my way, but I made a lot of amazing connections from it. Um, friends that I will, I'm confident I'll have for a very long time. And I was able to launch my brand and launch my podcast and, uh, I was working on my merch line. So there was a lot of really great things happening, but that lack of, of identity that, that disconnect with myself and what I wanted and who I was I think was kind of getting pushed down but it it wasn't going anywhere at the same time and I think I really had to fully confront it when 2021 came to a close I would say for November and December 2021 I was depressed I was not in a good place at all and that if any of my friends are listening (laughs) that may come as some as like a surprise to some of them um but I think if recent events um including the loss of Miss USA 2019 Chesley if recent events teach us anything it's that depression is not something that is loud. It's not the loudest person in the room. It's not the one saying, hey, look at me, look at me. That's not, that's not depression. Depression creeps in. It's quiet. It it sneaks in your room. It sneaks up on you. Just a little tap on the shoulder until one day it's just completely taken over and you're like not even aware that it's happening. And I, I really, looking back, that's what happened to me. I was on such a high in October from launching the podcast, and I spent two weeks in New York City, and then I was in Scottsdale for Halloween with some friends. Um, I was on such a high. And then November, like, just really hit hard. Like, it just really hit me hard. And I think... I knew that that was different from just having a bad week because there wasn't really a reason to be up to be struggling the way that I was like there wasn't an inciting incident or something um and you know like I wasn't sleeping right like I wasn't sleeping well at all I would stay up sometimes until like I'd stay up on average till probably like 2 or 3 a.m there were a few days where I literally like my eyes were just could not close like they could not close and I'm like watching the sunrise and I'm trying to like keep it all together you know I'm trying to like not let anyone see what's going on with me 
my mom, my sister definitely knew they were very concerned. Um, they knew I wasn't sleeping. My eating habits were really off, you know, for the pageant. I was really diligent about what I was eating. I've never been very consistent with working out. That's not something that's new. So that's not really an indicator for someone like me of being depressed. Um, but my eating was off and so was my sleep. And I just like gradually started to just kind of like retreat from my life. Like I started to really withdraw from my friends and from social situations. And I was just staying in more and more and more. And there were times where I tried to put myself out there. Like there was a few times where I tried to make plans and they'd fall through because something came up with them or something. But yeah, I just, I wasn't, I was kind of like a shell of myself and I was just not even able to like enjoy the holidays. Like I love the holidays. Like I'm that really annoying girl that starting after Thanksgiving, I'm listening to Christmas music and I'm doing every Christmas activity I possibly can. But this year was different. Like this year I tried, like I watched the movies. I went to the light shows and I had moments of, uh, I had good days, you know, that's, it's not like it was all bad. Like I definitely had good days, but I also had a lot of bad days and I was just really unsure of what I was doing. Like why am, why am I trying to do this podcast? Like it's not turning out the way I thought it would. Like it's not getting the response I thought it would. I was just so confident in my vision for this brand and for this podcast and it just wasn't translating to real life the way that I had hoped that it would and it was really hard and I know I don't want to sound like one of those people that's like well it wasn't perfect so I didn't want to do it no like it was I knew it wasn't going to be perfect but it was just so much harder and so much more work and just really like podcasting when you're producing these episodes yourself you're putting all this effort into planning these episodes finding these guests editing these episodes putting them out there and then when if you feel like people aren't connecting to the message it's discouraging and I kind of felt like what am I even trying to do anymore you know I'm not I had really cut back on Instagram deals I wasn't really doing as many Instagram deals because I felt like I was being really inconsistent with them and I wasn't doing YouTube anymore. And I'm like, what, well, what am I going to do? You know, like I just am so lost. And I just remember on Christmas Eve telling this to my mom, I'm like, I'm like, mom, you know, going on the show, going on Love Island, it has opened so many doors for me. But at the same time, like, I wish I could just go back to being Mackenzie, like, I just want to be Mackenzie before the show, before Connor, before, you know, the why is America doing this to me moment on that balcony. Like, I just want to go back to that and start from square one. But, you know, you can't. That was the choice I made to go on that show. And I made the choices I did while I was on there and after. And I own those decisions. And I like to live a life without regrets and I think overall I don't fully regret it but at times it can it can really be difficult and that's why I took so much time off of this podcast because I was trying to get my mental health right I was trying to get myself 
to a better place. And ultimately what I realized that I want from this season and, you know, the promise and the pledge that I'm making to myself and to all of you is that I want to be vulnerable with you guys. And I can't take back the show and what you guys saw, but I want you guys to get to know me for me. And I want you guys to feel like I'm your friend because I am. I would do anything I could for people if they needed my help. That's the kind of person that I am. And that is what I have always wanted to do with this podcast, you know, even through all the confusion and just the disarray, like the the main point of this has always just been like to reach people and to make an impact on them. And so season two of Out of His League, what is it? What is it going to bring? What is it going to be about? Well, I like to call it identity crisis. It is me trying to look within myself presently, look at my past and also look towards my future and what I want for myself. So we're going to get all different types of guests. I'm going to have experts on, more experts. I'm going to have more friends on, more acquaintances, and we're really going to dive into some very serious topics, um, and it'll be a lot more of me opening up about how I relate to those topics and sharing my stories So, yeah, I mean, I ultimately hope that by the end of the season, maybe I will have a clear idea of what I want for myself, you know, looking ahead to the next year, the next five years. And I truly hope that all of you will have that same sense of clarity for yourselves as well, or at least be headed in that direction. So a lot to look forward to. I know this episode took a lot of twists and turns and that's what happens when you don't write a script, but I spoke from the heart and I just really appreciate each and every one of you for listening. So that concludes today's episode. I really got to get better with these sign-offs. Before I go, as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode and just a little bit ago, I want to take a moment to send my condolences to Chesley's family. My prayers are with you, the entire Miss USA community, and all of the people who got to witness Chesley and her light. All of our prayers are with you. And if you know anyone who might be struggling with thoughts of self-harm or depression, please check in on them. It's really, it's never, it's, it's very rarely the ones that you expect. It really, that's the scary thing. So please check on your friends. Tell them how much they mean to you. Tell them they are worthy. Tell them that they deserve to be here. Remind them that it's not the bad days they're not going to last forever. Okay. So be aware if you yourself also need help, please do not hesitate to reach out for that. 
I'm going to link in the description additional resources for those who might be struggling with thoughts of suicide or self-harm. Do not hesitate to look into those and follow those for more information. But yeah, it's going to be okay, you guys. It's really, it's, it's going to be okay. All right, we're in this together. So this has been Mackenzie Dittman for Out of His League.